Are you more Oswald or Henry from the Oswald's Kids Show? Oh my god. <laughs> well, hello, moviegoers. Let's talk trouble feature. So welcome today. To start us off, it's been a while, and I'm glad that we're saying action again. I'm giving you your cliches. We're doing it at the top of the show, so don't do it later. What we're going to do is somewhat of a double feature is we're going to give you two segments and we're going to try that out as we figure out the format because that's what you do on the pod is you do it live and then you talk about do my listeners even care so if you are a listener let me know to start our show i'm going to ask javon a simple movie question or is it a movie question i don't know and we'll see where we go all right javon oh i would like to think i'm i'm more oswald but um Every passing day, I can see a little bit of Henry in myself, unfortunately. But I mean, that's real. Henry was real. <laughs> Henry's real. Well Definitely. And I'll tell you, um, friend of the program, my <laughs> wife, showed me it the first day and immediately said, you are Henry. Absolutely. So I had to ask our co-host. <laughs> in this well. world, there are there are Oswald and there are Henrys. Um, but sometimes you, you need a Henry in your life. You really do. Totally. And in this world, there's Oswalds and Henrys, and there's people who love Saltburn and people yep. who didn't. And that is the movie we're going to talk about today. <laughs> um, first segment, Saltburn. And we want to end this show with a little more fun. Uh, Siobhan and I got a Patreon access to yes. Letterboxd, and we want to share our stats because that's what you pay for. And that's why you're here. To start us off with Saltburn, perhaps, Siobhan, you want to talk about what the movie is like who the director is. You want to give us those details? Yeah. So um, this movie was written, directed and produced by Emerald Fennell. I think it hit theaters on November 17th of just this past um, year, 2023. Um, And she, this is her second feature film, I believe that she came out with first was promising Young woman, which we watched last year and like talked a lot about, um, which I really love. I think she's a really talented screenwriter and I studied it, studied it for school um so i was excited for this one to come out um and basically if you don't already know it's been pretty big right now but it tells a story of this boy who meets um kind of like a rich friend that he admires at a uh kind of boarding school that they attend and his friend invites him to spend the summer with him on his family's property which calls saltburn which is called saltburn um and then kind of chaos ensues from there um but yeah, I was, like I said, pretty hyped to see it um, just based off of like that one movie that Emerald Fennel had. And I don't think it disappointed for me personally, but there's a lot of controversy around it. So uh, what were your thoughts? Yeah, we'll definitely get into that. I think some other details um, starring yes. Jacob Elordi, um, Barry. I, yeah, I looked it up. I think it's Keoghan, which sounds very Irish. So Keoghan. Um, I would also like to propose that I ban myself from saying names <laughs> after saying Waukees Demi, Demi for a whole 45 <laughs> minutes plus. Um, also starring Rosamund Pike. And I, I would say those are three big stars. I think there's some other great acting performances yeah. by um, other supporting actors within, uh, especially Will Gibson as the Jake character in the beginning. Yeah. Um, is the guy who's into mass, you know, how they say mass. in British, mass. And he's like... What a funny character right. to be in there. My general reaction to the movie, first blush, is like, enjoyed it. You know, it was a wild ride. I didn't know what to expect. I went in knowing that people were talking about it. However, I did not read anything about it at all, nor did I even know who was in the movie, which is quite a rarity for me when I watch something. 
So that was just such, so enlightening yeah. from like, great, I'm just taking this face value and like, wow, I'm on this wild ride together um, viewing this. And I thought it was great. I do have some critiques mm -hmm. as we do. This is a critique podcast sure. movie show. Sure. Um, but I would, before we get there, I'd like to hear, why, why do you think there's so much outrage about this movie? I don't know. I think the biggest um, controversy that I've heard so far well, I guess starting from the beginning, when the trailers first came out for this, I remember watching them and still just being very confused about what the plot was. Like, it was kind of sending you all over the place. And I do enjoy when trailers do that. Like, it's very intentional, not giving a lot away about the plot so that you can go in as blind as you possibly can. Um, and then with social media, like, you kind of get it all spoiled for you. So I've been, I was trying to avoid it for a while. Um, but a big... I guess controversy. I don't know if that's what you could call it, but the big like things that people are discussing is just, it has some really shocking scenes and um, there's a side of, um, I don't know, the internet that sees the movie and is like, well, this is disgusting. How could you put this in a movie? Like this is the most shocking thing I've ever seen. A lot of people really hate that at the same time. A lot of people really enjoy it. And it's like one of the first well, not first, but you don't see a lot of movies taking big risks like that that end up in the public eye as often, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, so the other side of the internet is very much like, well, there's nothing that crazy about this. And to be honest, the movie isn't even that great. Like, I guess that's the discourse that I've been hearing, um, where it's just like, I, I see myself falling on both sides of the spectrum. Obviously, we've watched and talked about Lars von Trier movies and he does some crazy mm. things that I'd never want to see again. Um, and it is tame in comparison to what we see in uh, Saltburn, but still, I mean, let people enjoy it. Like it, it's causing a stir. It's giving this director the platform that I think she deserves. So it's interesting. And I also just think people are very confused about the message that it's trying to send. Um, which I am too, but I guess we'll get into that a little bit more. Yeah. And I would say that part of the internet and viewership, I don't know if I, I care, know. But, uh, yeah. but the reality is I think there is something that's sensationalized in mm -hmm. this movie and that is either grabbing you in or pushing yeah. you out. I do think you, you mentioned Lars von Trier. I think if this movie was distributed differently, maybe in a more old school mm -hmm. fashion playing in local theaters like this could be an art house yeah. film um especially if it leaned into more of the absurdity than it mm -hmm. already did however i like what is going on as far as like is, is this film well constructed i think so yeah. right um i start at the beginning i have a change in my thought and experience at the end and i enjoyed myself mm -hmm. like that's a pretty well constructed film the thing i want to linger on is the message which this is a challenge as I watch things now is I'm constantly looking for a message. I think this director is going to face this criticism mm -hmm. unfairly because her first movie really offers a very clear and compelling and creative mm -hmm. message, right? Which is, you know, these acts against yeah. women, <laughs> we should really think about them after viewing this movie and, and those mm -hmm. 30 with it. I think this one, as you and I talked about, there may be a classism message mm -hmm. going on that maybe perhaps culturally we aren't as in tune because we don't mm -hmm. live in England. But I think that's pretty obvious, but I think people wanted something deeper right. from it. 
And I think that's where I draw the critique of us mm-hmm. as viewers because it's like now everything we want is like elevated, yeah. right? We want elevated horror. It's like, I can't just watch a horror movie anymore. I need a horror movie that has some metaphysical argument right. as well. And it's kind of like, great, where, where mm-hmm. are we going? So <laughs> I'm really critiquing you viewers and <laughs> listeners um, as you watch Southburn. But I think, do you have any thoughts about really the, again, the message of the movie and in comparison to A Promising Young Woman, which would be a great double feature of watching this director's two movies? Yeah, I'm not sure. I definitely think there, when watching Saltburn, there's the conversation of classism and um, one of the big takeaways that I've been seeing people get, I guess, is Eat the Rich. You know, like he came into, Mm. obviously... um, his name is Oliver Quick, Barry Keegan's character in the movie. Oliver's whole like MO is to take over Saltburn, but it kind of starts out as like, you're like, what's this guy's, what's his ambition here? What is he, is he obsessed with Felix? Is that his end goal? Like, is he just a freak? Um, it turns out that he wants all of Saltburn for himself and he wants to destroy the family from the inside and completely take over their lives. So a lot of people are like, hell yeah, Oliver, you did nothing wrong, Um, which is a pretty funny takeaway to have. But it is interesting in comparison to Promising Young Woman had, it was huge social commentary and it caused a lot of stir and like a lot of conversation. And um, I think she did a really good job of portraying it. And there isn't, obviously the movie didn't end the way you necessarily wanted it to, but it was unjust in the way that things are unjust for women in the world in general. So um, it said a lot. So this one specifically, I was watching interviews where um, Emerald Fennell was talking about what her intentions were behind writing the story. Um, and I know that from what I've seen, she's basically said, like, I wanted to make something that was like fun and easy to watch and not necessarily easy to watch in like every scene because there's some disturbing imagery. But um, I don't know if there was as much of a like a political or social stance that she was taking when she made this. Um, the like, you're totally right. A lot of horror has to come with social commentary nowadays um, to keep people interested, which I think is seen a lot in Ari Aster and Jordan Peele. Um, but regardless, I think it's just a very enjoyable watch, and you're kept on your toes for two hours or however long the movie is, um, with like kind of a rewarding ending in a way. So it's interesting. Yeah, and I think a critique, I'm, I'm just critiquing the audience now. <laughs> Thanks, listeners. Is this search for like the perfect yeah. plot. And it's not there. If the theme of this show to me is um, a good movie offers an experience, mm-hmm. good or bad. And you definitely leave this movie with an experience. There's some technical things about this movie that I actually really enjoy. Um, those would be like set design and um, cinematography. Mm-hmm. I was looking up to see if it was the same cinematographer as a promising young woman, it is not, but I would say both those movies excel at cinematography and just the style of the Mm -hmm. set and um, framing and missing scene and all those things. So that was something I really enjoyed. I also think from this movie, I'm sure maybe in five years, we're going to talk about Barry's performance. And I think that's where directors weirdly, they either get a lot of, contribution to that are mm-hmm. a little right and people will say oh this director really got the best out of this yeah. director actress i think in this film you can clearly see that um it's the give and take but man <laughs> barry got a lot from yeah. like, to help him do what he wants to do in those scenes 
and they're exceptional. <laughs> and those are things I'm going to always remember um, seeing the first time and probably never Absolutely. forgetting. Um, I think the casting in this movie was incredible. Um, another big thing or what caused a big like attraction to this film from the public was Jacob Elordi. He's huge right now um, and in a big part due to this film, but he does a great job of playing like that lovable character and he's like very magnetic and he's kind of like a god but he's just like a dopey teenager at the same time i think he nails that perfectly mm -hmm. and i think um i'm sure emerald twinell did a lot in directing that um also rosamund pike's character i she's i think she's genius she does a great job with portraying this like very selectively ignorant woman that like her character is um but for barry I think what he does such a good, he's a little freak all the time in every movie that he's in and he's so good at doing it. Um, but this one, I think really he was able to be so ambiguous throughout the whole movie to where like, I think I'm rooting for him, but I, I can't tell. And also he's doing these like crazy things mm -hmm. that I don't agree with at all, but you don't know what his motives are the entire time until it's literally unfolded to you, which was like an interesting choice, but I think he does a really good job at playing that ambiguous, like weird guy. I don't know. I enjoyed his performance a lot. Yeah. It, it's a weird movie and you picked a perfect weird guy to be as yeah, weird as possible. I agree. <laughs> and boy, does he go for it. Um, yeah. Just other stuff with like the set design and yeah. costume again, set in 2006, mm -hmm. I was 15 turned 16. I felt like the, costumes are very oh, accurate yeah. to people around my age yeah, wearing those things um no i i love the little detail like the eyebrow piercing i think um felix is wearing yeah. a live strong bracelet at some point it's just like mm -hmm. so it's very good yeah. yeah they they nailed that um i think um as far as scenes that i just want to mention with i mean whatever we'll spoil um it's like the party scene at the mm -hmm. end how magical of like that was so surreal just mm -hmm. took you out of it and into it um at that part of the and then there's some controversial scenes which if we want to share now we can but how are you yeah no i mean i feel like you can't really have a conversation about this movie without talking about the the like most i guess controversial scenes or just at least what's causing the biggest stir which are those just like freaky weird things that barry does um <laughs> but they're plot devices and i i think they I don't know. They're interesting. What were you think? What were your thoughts? I'll I'll mention to the listeners when after you watch this, you'll think about bathtubs and graves <laughs> a little differently than when you started. Oh my god, it's so crazy. And it's I think I I saw Emerald Fennell talking in an interview about how it's the movie is about having a good time and then also a little bit about like obsession. And she was saying that like we've all been so obsessed with a person that drives you to a point of like doing like unspeakable things. And I don't know if any of us are at the point where we're going to drink someone's literal bath water, but it's funny to see her take it to like <laughs> such an extreme and for the actors to be like, yeah, we're going to go for it. Um, I also heard someone say that the grave scene was improvised. I don't know if that's really or not. I should have oh, looked wow. it up, but if it is like props, it worked. Um, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, I think I think everyone went for it in this movie, and that's what makes mm -hmm. it enjoyable. It's certainly a double feature that I would revisit with a promising young woman. 
and then just have some commentary with yourself. That's what this show is about. It's like one of the threads between the two movies. I think there's really interesting threads. To do the next segment of our show, the double feature show here on Trouble Feature, we're going to talk about our letterbox stats as Siobhan and I again got a Patreon account. So so we're real moviegoers Um, now. Aaron was an absolute goat and got me the Patreon subscription as a Christmas present this year. So absolute patron of the pod mvp patron <laughs> of the pod. pod um so hell yeah it's been so much fun going through it and now that they have their stats feature and also they did the year in review thing which basically was like stats but um it's really it's motivated me to update it way more often um so i'm excited for next year stats but let's go through this past one definitely um I will say if you're going to pay for it, it's worth it because you can change your movie posters. And that's <laughs> where I found myself doing the it's most so um, rather than watching movies, just picking yeah. new posters. Um, Siobhan, do you want to lead us off or at least take us through the categories? Yeah. Um, so they, if you use your letterboxd, um, their stats are really in depth. Um, so you can like always take a look for yourself. If you're not a patron, they have their, um, kind of like Spotify wrapped thing, but they go into pretty um, specific, I don't know, they go into specifics, but the ones I wanted to talk about, um, I guess we can just start at what, how many diary entries we had this year. Um, for me, I, for 2023, my year in film, I put in 143 diary entries and 127 reviews. Um I don't think I was really on my grind. I definitely watched more movies than that this year, but I fell off with logging them. So I'm definitely better at it now that I know I'm being tracked. Um, but uh, how about you? How many did you get in this year? So my diary entries, I had 164. Nice. My reviews, I think that's where I want to commit mm-hmm. more time to. only had 34. I'll say the ones that I reviewed I really thought mm-hmm. about it and, and put something impactful there, I hope. Um, a couple of them were not impactful at all. So if you find those, <laughs> let me know. I love it. The other interesting thing is just like number of hours. Oh, yeah. So I have 299 hours. Nice. I think mine, it's 254.4, which makes sense. It's a lot of time. <laughs> wow. Nymphomaniac was like 5%. I know. Yeah, the series. Oh, my God. The Speaking of, okay. Um, your most watched section. Uh, what do you got? Okay, most watched. Is this where? It's under your milestones. As host. Yeah, yeah okay. Mine is so weird because it only shows one. I, I'll read some of the milestone stuff, and then my most watched section is just kind of nice. buggy to me. So, milestones. My first film was Sabrina. Oh, nice. That's um, a good one. My last film of the year was Muppets Most Wanted. Hell yeah. Um, the diary milestones, for whatever reason, it pulls out Stepmom. <laughs> yeah. <It's> like, what? <laughs> uh, daisies in the Big Green. That it's, is nuts. So, was Stepmom 50th and then Daisies was 100th? That's what it is, yeah. Stepmom is 50th, Daisies That's 100. That's so funny. Um, 150 is the big okay, green. <laughs> I I guess I didn't. Yeah, I didn't get to 150. But so my first film was Glass Onion. Um, then my last one was Dazed and Confused. But my diary milestones for the 50th was Open Your Eyes, and then Daisies was also my hundredth watch. 
crazy. Right? Well, that's, dude, that's nuts. Um, and we have a pod on it, so please so revisit true. it. My most watch is probably because I don't log a lot of the yeah. my duplicates. So I only have one. That's what was confusing me is um, it's the Muppet movie. <laughs> nice. The original, which I watched. Um, Huge Muppets time. guy, as you should be. Um, my most watch, I also don't go back and relog them. So I'm like doing that more now. But for some reason, the only ones that I have relogged on this list is so cursed. And it's Bo's Afraid, Shallow Hell, and Nymphomaniac Volume 2. And those are the only ones on my most watched list. So I'm sorry, that's a red flag. Absolutely like, walking. If you're like, those are my three. If I saw movies. this, I would yeah. be like, I'm not talking to that person. Uh, um, but one another fun thing that they do, well, I guess we'll get to the next, but genres, con- countries, and languages. Genres, countries, and languages. Um, my most watched genre is drama. And then the most uh watched of countries and languages i have usa and english which is like a given but now it's nice to see what countries these other movies come from and then like try to broaden them so like i have in my list denmark um japan cantonese czech french and there's like mostly just like two or three for me section but it's a cool way to keep track so i can like get more into world film you know Mm. um and then, yeah. yeah. What's yours talking about? I had like yeah. the exact same. So. <laughs> um, so yeah, broaden that. But the the cool one they do is themes and nano genres. So they have, I have thirteen films that are under the theme dreamlike, quirky, and surreal storytelling. Um, and then nano genres is powerful, mm-hmm. disturbing, and child, which I don't know what that means, but. <laughs> Yeah. You watched Stepmom. <laughs> yeah, literally. Uh, Donnie Darko is on there, so I guess that makes sense. Okay. Uh, but what about sense. you? Yeah, I think, like, as far as my themes, um, captivating relationships and charming romance. Nice. I think I have nine yes. films from that section. Um, yeah, probably another one I'll pull out here is um, surreal and thought provoking visions of life. That tracks. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I love all these categories. My top top nano genre is charm, imaginative, and magic. Ah, cool. interesting. Some Harry Potter watches, or yeah, I was saying I watch Practical Magic like go. four times. <laughs> Hell yeah! Um, let's see what next. Oh yeah, stars and directors. Um, these ones are fun. Do you have any? What was your most watched star for this year? My most watched star is Willem Dafoe, um, friend of the program, friend of, friend the, of the podcast, pod. hopefully one day. Oh my gosh, yes. Yeah, and my director's is, um, it's a tie with three films from all these directors. We'll just name them. Jordan Peele, Wes Anderson, Steven Spielberg, John Watts, and Sam Raimi. Nice. Um, let's see. Mine are pretty predictable. I feel like this is actually, my most watched star was Owen Wilson. Um, so I think, and then like, I think second or no directors was a tie between Sofia Coppola and Wes Anderson. Um, so then the rest of my direct or stars are all Wes Anderson actors for the most part, but my third most watched star was Parker Posey, which hell yeah. (laughs) I'm surprised yours didn't, she's not in your lineup. 
Oh, she's going to come back oh, later yeah. here in this section. Love Parker Posey. Um, yeah, and then Letterboxd goes into, like, crew and studios, which is really cool. You can get really into, like, casting and cinematography. Um, but the next section I think that was fun was your highs and lows. So what do you got? Definitely. So are these highs and lows like that I rated are just more that's across letterbox based on the I, film. Let, let me explain a little more. Cause I have Spider-Man um, across Spider-Verse as my highest average. I think. And I just, yeah, no, I think it's ahead. like um, the rating that you gave the highest in comparison to the, what the average rating for that movie is. Um, okay. So that makes a lot of sense. Cause a lot of people. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think it was like one of the most reviewed on letterbox for last year. Um, my highest is st- the stop making sense movie. <laughs> um, oh, cool. Oh, yeah. yeah. I movie. think my, my lowest was movie 43. I gave it 1.5 stars. Okay. That sticks. Um, my lowest is 50. Shades of <laughs> I feel like the average for that is probably like a good like 3.5. But the most popular for me was Barbie, which I feel like probably was everybody's. Um, That was my most popular one as well. Um, And most obscure, I watched the (laughs) Price of Glee documentary. (laughs) So deep dive into Glee lore. Heck yeah. My most obscure was... um, this is where Parker Parker Posey comes back in. Is I was just consuming the Parker Posey Criterion mm-hmm. Collection um, that they released in December, and there was a couple short films by um, Hal Hal Hartley, and he's got a couple movies. But he did all these short films with Parker Posey, and one is called Opera mm-hmm. Number One. It's on the Criterion Channel. I would check it out. It's just visually really fun, and then also you get to hang out with Parker Posey for about eight to nine minutes. Oh sure. yeah. I've never heard of that, but I keep meeting to go back to that criterion because ugh, just love Parker Posey. And I don't know if you, absolutely friend of the pod. Yeah. I don't know if you heard this, but if there's any white Lotus fans out there, I think she's coming back for season three. Well, not back, but she's going to be in season three of white Lotus. So I'm excited about that. Heck yeah. Um, but yeah. And then rated higher than average and rated lower than average. These are always funny to me because, um, I think they're completely biased just based off of how you feel about that movie. Mm -hmm. Um, So for example, my higher than average are confessions of a teenage drama queen, aquamarine, right? Hairspray, sleepless in Seattle, the original hairspray and clueless. These are all five star movies in my eyes. Apparently the rest of letterbox doesn't agree, but I don't care. Um, So yeah, those are fun. What about you? Yeah, so mine in very similar vein is just confirmation bias of movies that we love. <laughs> oh, yeah. So number one's Nacho nice. Libre. Five stars. Five stars. What the hell? I don't understand why. That's a, that's a family movie Absolutely. here. And we love that's it. That's a DVD in the car movie for um, sure. DVD in the car movie. <laughs> Hold dearly to our heart. The other ones are Sleeping Beauty. Nice. Josie and the Pussycats. Parker Posey, Parker Posey coming back here. <laughs> this one I'm a little surprised of. Um, nope by Jordan hmm. Peele which I actually thought was an exceptional movie. I have five I stars and most people rated it 3.74. That's a hot take by everybody except for me. I loved that movie too. I think it, yeah. it deserved more hype. For sure. And then the new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie, nice. five Hell stars. yeah. And this is the other one that does make sense. 
The Muppets Christmas Carol is five stars. Letterbox has that three point nine five. All right, Come on, that's guys. just like, that's absolute silly awesome. nonsense. I'm not subscribing to that. <laughs> that's a great movie. That's <laughs> the best Christmas movie. Yeah, that's silly, Billy, silly. right there. Um, and then I think the last thing I have is just lower than average, which, um, I guess tracks. I have Megan. I guess I give Megan one star. I don't know what I was thinking, but that's how I felt. Um, cruising, I rated lower than average um, for some reason. I know <laughs> it's it's average. That it, it is a great, great movie, <laughs> and I gave it two stars. I don't know what I was on, but um, Top Gun Maverick in the public eyes in the public's eyes is four stars. I gave it two and a half. Um, then Wonka, Before Sunset, and The Nun Two are all in my lower than average. Hmm. those are all interesting i think we did an episode on letterbox and ratings mm-hmm. and why i think you really need to come up with your own rating scale yeah. um because some of my movies on here make sense to me so my neighbor totoro i have a two stars okay in comparison to all the other miyazaki films i think it's the weakest Fair. i mean that's why it's okay. really lower so you should come up with your own ratings but i'll read through my other ones um leon the professional mm. two stars um spider-man three one star Whoa. i don't know why People think it's higher than that. Okay. Um, Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume 3, two stars. Fair. People love that movie on Letterboxd. Yeah. You should think about that differently, perhaps. Um, this next one, I feel like, is just like an, a vendetta <laughs> I have, I guess. Because Mean Girls, I have at one star. That's... I'm like, that's a good movie. I don't know if I was trying to hurt someone. <laughs> you or were on business for whatever reason. <laughs> but, you know, it happens. And similarly, the last one is um, Pearl. I have at two stars. Really? Those are all pretty hot takes. Yeah. Again, comes to what your taste yeah. is, and sometimes your taste is not the Fair. same. Fair. Sometimes I'm just actually uh, being petty. And I'm like, you know, I don't care what I actually thought of this movie. I'm going to give it one star for whatever reason. Um, yeah, you have to take those yeah, ones for when real. You can. But yeah, this was, I, unless you have any other uh highlights from the letterbox reviews i thought this is really cool they do they already have it set up so you can see 2024 but we can get into that later and then i also really like their all-time feature um so it's been cool diving into this agreed and i'm glad we talked about it i'm planning on doing this for maybe the next 30 to 40 years so maybe letterbox oh, yeah. can really show us some <laughs> sophisticated reviews Absolutely. here from us but we'll see our growth listeners i hope you yeah, I hope you enjoyed the show. I'm thinking I'm going to pitch the next double feature and see how we feel about it. Past lives, Castle oh, yeah. <laughs> I said we were going to do that a long time ago. I'm ready to do I'm, it now. Yeah, it's so. time. Finally. It's time. Say less. Tune in for that. Oh. Tune in for that. So um, the double feature homework for you, watch Past Lives, Casablanca, but also watch Promising Young Woman, mm-hmm. Saltburn. Um, sign up for Letterboxd Patreon. I'm not sponsored by them, but maybe I will one day. Um, maybe Siobhan and I will have a sponsor for the pod. Who knows? More um, Boy can dream, mm-hmm. girl can dream. And I'll leave you with this. Um, love movies, enjoy movies. Go movie, go movie. watch movie. All right. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs>